0: Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, Recovering Perfectionist and Serial Accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Really quickly, before we jump into this topic, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions. Do you wish that you could be more productive? Do you ever wonder why you set goals and then you let that fizzle off and you don't take the action that you need to take? If you answered yes to that, I've created a productivity masterclass that helps you get clear on what you want, why you want it, and then gives you the steps necessary to bring your dream life into a reality. Yes, you're going to get tools and resources to help you draft your day, and you'll also get knowledge any information on how self-sabotage works, how your mind is working to keep you safe, harness the power of your unconscious mind to start to move you closer to your goals. For more information on this five-day masterclass, head over to productivity.successdevelopmentsolutions.com. And I really look forward to helping you design the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited to be here with my guest today, Jeff Venn. Jeff and I connected as part of the amazing PodMax show that I talk to you guys about so often, and I am super excited to bring you his story. Jeff Venn is here to help people achieve their highest human potential. He does not subscribe to the scripts society hands him or the boxes people try to fit in he believes that you need to create better maps for work life relationships and even religion maps that work for you not against you he's done this in his own life taking a forward-thinking progressive approach to how he builds and runs businesses and how he builds and runs his days just a little bit about jeff he's the founder and creator of create studios a digital marketing agency founder of converge a community for young entrepreneurs really cool. He's a former semi-pro surfer, musician, fluent in Spanish, which is something I wish I would have taken seriously. (laughs) And most, he's proud of his successes on the inside. He's escaped that rat race we know so well, rich in things that matter most to him, control over his time, fulfilling work-life balance, and the opportunity to inspire young entrepreneurs to dream bigger than they ever thought possible. Jeff says, life is a giant will of progress, improving and learning. Now let's get moving. I love that so much. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: Today, I'm doing all right. Life's been a bit of a grind lately, but that's part of the journey, correct? That's it's the, way it, it's the that's way it goes. That's the way it goes.
0: If it was easy, everyone would do it, right?
1: Yeah. I heard this really cool quote uh, recently, and it, it said that you know we look for these peak experiences, these mountaintop experiences, like when we arrive here and at this place. And the person said not a lot of things grow on the tippy top of the mountain and if you think about it at the top of you know mount himalaya you know you're beyond the tree line the oxygen's rear, there's not many living creatures so the point of that story was hey enjoy the journey because once you do summit something yeah you're going to look around and enjoy the view but the mountaintop gets a lot of weather, a lot of this, that, and then there's probably time to like go back down or go find the next mountain range. So I've been trying to enjoy the journey a little more enjoy the time in the trees or all the little animals and things are going all around before I summit some gold.
0: I love it. And I'm so glad that you brought that story into it. We're going to dig into who you are and how you became where you're at now. But before we do that, I want to just hit on what you said, because you gave this amazing metaphor of this mountain and the weather at the top. And you said something that's so fantastic. Maybe it's time to go find a new mountaintop. I feel like so many times we climb that mountain, we get up there and we think that that's where it ends. Like we worked so hard to get there. And now like, why would we want to start over somewhere else? But that's the journey, right? Get to the top and then figure out what else you can do well. And then
1: and beyond that, there, there's many mountains in life. I mean, if you like i just had a bad cold right so i was kind of like pretty sick for a couple days i mean not sick enough not to go to work so the mountain to climb was like do i eat some ibuprofen? and can i get this work done without going insane or it could be a bigger life one right you have a vision for your relationship or for you know decades later so you know there's kind of like lots of little mountains and things all along the way intraday intraweek and of course we all go after big goals hopefully too
0: I love it. Bringing the value right up front. Thanks for that. So let's talk about you just a little bit. Semi pro surfer, musician, digital marketing agency. Like, what do these things all have in common? How did you, how do these things all fit together to make Jeff? Yeah,
1: for sure. So I love the Myers Briggs personality type indicator. And you can go to 16personalities.com, the number 16personalities.com. But you know, I'm a ENFP ENTP on that front. So I'm intuitive. I'm creative. I love numbers. I love math and counting. And I, I just love like creativity and ideas and exploration. So it's allowed me to dabble in a lot of things and do them well. Um, for example, in my early 20s, I was going to school for computer science. That's my degree. I minor in graphic design and I took a couple courses in Spanish. I'd gone to Costa Rica to surf a bunch. Well, I ended up finding a bilingual church in Jacksonville and immersed myself in their culture and within two years learned how to speak fluent Spanish. And for like five years of my life just hung out with all the Hispanic folks from that church. So it was really fun, but that was just something I did for fun and on my own. You know, I kind of knew what basic life here in Jacksonville Beach Florida looked like. It was really exciting. It was very rewarding. Ironically, I ended up marrying a a blonde-headed blue-eyed girl from like the (laughs) TPC golf community in Ponte Vedra, and she's fine. Like, I'm I'm speaking like she's not, but I thought for sure I'd marry a Hispanic girl and like move to Venezuela or Costa Rica, but alas, I didn't. But just like when you learn a guitar when you're little, like, uh, I can still like speak fluent Spanish today and get to use it here and there and, you know, get to travel some. I love it.
0: I love it. So it's
1: just this creative side I had, and I've just always tapped into that and, and gotten stuff done.
0: That's awesome. So quick little side note, back in my early days when I found the easy way to get everything done, I was sure that I was never going to need Spanish. So um, when I went to college, you have to take two semesters of a foreign language. And I had taken Spanish in high school and I decided that I just wanted the grade. I didn't care about like actually learning it. So I intentionally failed my placement exam and spent like two years learning how to say colors and letters over again, like all the shit I had learned in high school. And I was like, sweet, I got my grades. I'm good to go. And then fast forward 15 years, I'm an immigration attorney in Las Vegas, really wishing I knew no how way. to Spanish. Wow.
1: Those Yeah, how Proof
0: that um the easy way out isn't always the best option yeah (laughs) so when did um semi-pro surfer was that a goal for you like did you think you were going to go full pro or was it just something that you enjoyed doing that you ended up spending some time with while you were pursuing your career yeah
1: so that's a good question. So with, with being a musician, because a lot of people you may know, like I do, that can sing well or play guitar well, piano. So being an athlete or musician is like the rarest bird, right? Because think about how many football players that are that are really good from middle school on up to actually make it to NFL. So believe it or not, I live within walking distance from the beach. And uh, my parents just really encouraged me to surf. And I just got super into it. So I would just go surfing all day every time. And I ended up doing really good competitively. Specifically here in Jacksonville, I, I, I did well from when I was like 12 to 18. I just kind of won everything. And then I served some like East Coast competitions. My brother ended up being East Coast champ and did some national stuff. But in that athlete mix or say you're the best band in the Southeast, it takes like a whole nother level to, to get to that tippy top. And I think a lot of it is the perseverance, which I have, the talent, which to some degree I had. There's, there's a lot of good guys. But uh, man, there's that combination of luck too. Like the world needs like that song at that time. And perhaps there was... You know, a thousand Jimi Hendrixes, and maybe nine hundred of them are better, but only one, you know, hit it.
0: Yeah, I think that that's really cool to point out because so many people get stuck in their head of this person's better than me or this person's better than me, and what you just said is so common when I talk to musicians and artists and creatives of if it was the very best person that got picked every single time I'd be out of a job. Like there are so many people who are better than me. It's a matter of everything else lining up and then working hard towards that goal. And you
1: also have to do something for the love. Like I've been fortunate to live within walking distance of, of the beach here in Jacksonville beach, Florida. And uh I freaking love surfing. Like if there was no contest or no one out, like I still went out and not because it was some obligation or job, but think about it. I'm out in the freaking water, riding waves, which are different every single time. Like you never ride the same way twice. So I think, um, like you, Amber, and many of the listeners, there's some things that that we all do that we do it, whether anyone was watching or whether there was a million people, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it.
0: So I am a little jealous of your surfing background. I told you when we talked before that I went, um, ocean kayaking for the first time a while back. And I had never seen the ocean. I think as a kid, I have pictures of me as a kid, like when I was five, that um, I'm pretty sure that I went, but as a person that could like actually remember, I had never seen the ocean. And I was so terrified the entire time I was on that kayak. I loved it and I had so much fun, but I was so afraid I was going to like. Um, be something snack, like I just kept seeing like jaws coming towards me, right, <laughs> and i'm like this is so ridiculous because i 'm so stuck in this fear that every time I would feel a swell come through because we we kayaked out of San Diego Bay, the San Diego harbor into the bay, oh. and um, watched the surfers from the ocean side instead of from the beach side, and it was really cool, but I was just so stuck in my head of something could go wrong and i'm so jealous of people who can just get out there on the water and like not care that there are things that can eat you underneath
1: yeah that fear is actually a good analogy to entrepreneurship um you know a lot of people in your audience have side hustles or perhaps they're in corporate and they want to make a big leap or whatever it is but you know a lot of times people come up to me and they're like oh my god like because i've been an entrepreneur since 2005 that's when i started the digital agency uh web websites and online marketing what funds most of my life today. But, uh, you know, people are like, Oh, it's so scary being an entrepreneur. And I'm, it's just those unknowns, you know, cause like once you get comfortable something like, like being out in the snow, for example, I never see snow or the ocean. I did I'm super comfortable out there and it's actually super safe, believe it or not, done right where I live. So it's so funny, man. Like, uh, you know, the experience does count for something. And I guess you have to have a little bit of blind faith to actually go in the ocean enough to get comfortable. But maybe that analogy applies to, to going out on your own or to, you know, putting in your two weeks notice at that job that you kind of are over and hate.
0: No, I absolutely think it does. That's really, really cool. So you mentioned that your degree was computer sciences, that you did a, um, mar- was it marketing or?
1: Graphic design. Graphic, Graphic design. design.
0: What was the driving force that took you that way?
1: Yeah, so I was fortunate. My dad was an early adopter of computers and technology. He's actually a retired professor, a special needs professor. But uh, yeah, I got exposed to computers so young. And uh, I mean, I don't even want to say how young. So I've just grown up with technology. I love technology. Um, I, I love to play music. So I can play guitar and piano with my hands. But like other things, like I can't figure out, like if the doorknob's stuck or like, you know, <laughs> doing fine motor skills. But like with my brain or like, you know, a problem with like, technology and software. I just love it. It's fun to me to all those things. So I always had a love for technology and technology moves really fast and it's virtual and digital. And in these days and times, a lot of people want to work from where they want to work or you know, work from home or different things like that. So I'm thankful for that introduction because it's not like I'm a general contractor or a custom home builder where you to some degree have to be present physically at times. I just, yeah. It's all yeah. virtual.
0: How has the change been for you? I know that COVID was a big push, but before that with you know, the reluctance of some people to understand the power of digital marketing and the power of, of the internet. And now we're in COVID where everybody's going virtual, but how was that transition for you? And what did you see as the um, points in your business that were impacted?
1: Sure. So I, I think uh, the most interesting play for digital. So I'm in Jacksonville, Florida in Jacksonville, I think it's about 2 million people. Don't quote me, but it's, it's like 1.5 or two. And we have a lot of like good old Southern boy style businesses, right? So it's like, you know, Jimmy's 58, he's run his commercial landscaping company for decades and he doesn't need the internet. So you get these guys who like their goal is to like buy a boat with their extra money. <laughs> and then you get these guys who are like, yeah, we need to go on the web. So my, my grandson's gonna do it. And then particularly in other cities like Orlando or Miami, I mean, people really do get marketing and you know, we we have to be touched multiple times to buy something, right? You normally, unless it's like a pack of gum or something. If it's any kind of substantial purchase, you're gonna do research. Or heck, even a a, a t-shirt. So I think no matter what role businesses are in, digital plays an important part. What I've seen here in COVID to answer your question is, you know, these businesses that used to rely on trade shows or used to send their five sales rep out to shake a hand can't do that anymore. So all of a sudden, what's being sent out? Well you know, let's just say you do like commercial windows, you're sending out an email that has an email signature that links to a website and so are your three competitors. So now all of a sudden like those first touch points are digital. And then the last thing is this, uh, we all know what remarketing or retargeting is. And Mm -hmm. that's the day I look at a pair of red shoes and all of a sudden red shoes pop up everywhere. I think any business is foolish if they don't have some hundreds of dollars per month because remarketing only goes to people who have seen your stuff. You know, so if I own that commercial window business, and, and, and someone comes to my commercial business website, you know, the, the tag falls around. So we've definitely seen those changes play and uh, Jacksonville just needed to mature the business owners. Once again, they just want to get a big boat. It seems like <laughs> versus spend money on marketing, but every time, and I'm sure your audience is well up on this, you know, digital is everything and it's so easy to use and so fluid, but it's just kind of confusing at times, right? So many buttons, so many things to do. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. So let's go back to what you said just a minute ago of that person that's like, okay, we're going to get on the internet. I'm going to have my grandson do it. So you have these new entrepreneurs that either have a side hustle or they're just getting started and every single dollar matters. And they're trying to figure out what is non-negotiable. For example, when I started my podcast, podcast editing was non-negotiable. I knew that I didn't want to learn how to do it. And I think one of the things that people forget is there's so much more to digital marketing than just posting a Facebook status or doing a Facebook Live. So to that person who says, oh, I can just do it myself. What are the big problems you see with people who end up taking that route? What problems do you end up having to fix?
1: Yeah, for sure. So... Template websites are pretty bad, right? So the, it's, it's so funny. We'll spend all this time and, and perhaps so th- let me draw a couple lines. then, the some people can get all their business off a social media platform like Facebook or Instagram and perhaps they need a, a crappy landing page. So the website's not that important. But even in that case, they do really need a landing page because you're not going to sign up via Instagram description or some long Facebook post. So I would say um, a lot of people ignore like that landing page. So where all their traffic's being driven to. So I don't care if you send an email out. I don't care if you're on a webinar or an announcement. It's going to go to a landing page. And a landing page usually is part of a website. So a lot of times people will um, um, not have that website done that well. So when you have stock photography on there, when you have lots of space, when you have a header image that, you know, takes up so much of the phone, then you click to the next page and it takes so much of the phone. like. Just being highly cognizant of that experience people are having on their, like, you know, bigger screen desktop, laptop, or on their mobile phone is key because a lot of people spend all these money on ads or, you know, get all this stuff going or spend all this time on email and then they'll send someone to just a crappy offer page. And so that's one thing. And the second thing and last thing I'll say is this just look at the numbers. You know, you got to like, like, actually look, uh, so many times we have done this for ourselves. So we are a digital marketing agency and we have put up ads for ourselves. And so we throw $500 of ads at Facebook. We send them to our homepage and guess what? No one buys because it's just like generic web design for like any local business in Jacksonville. So. Um, You know marketing is not a one trick pony. You can't kind of throw a little money here and throw a little money there and see success. You kind of really got to look at the metrics, really look at engagement, right? I ran ads on Facebook. I tried YouTube. I did this remarketing retargeting thing, Jeff said, but like actually look at the results. Don't quit right out of the gate, but refine it over time. So a lot of people, they'll go to like Wix to build a website. They'll go to Squarespace. Um, They'll go to click funnels and they'll throw something up and then they'll see this Facebook ad course for five things. They'll just stitch it all together. And that takes a lot of time. I'm very proud of anyone who does that, but then they just stop because their $300 of Facebook's ads didn't work. And, you know, they invested in some DSL camera, ring light and all this BS and it just doesn't produce results. But, you know, you're not going to hit it out of the park your first pass, right?
0: No, not at all. And you're not gonna hit it out of the park on your first on your first time. And I I definitely agree with that. However, we know when we're talking to people, you know, if we take it out of the digital space and we put it in person to person space, you hear people say all the time, like, always have your best foot forward. You can never remake a first impression. And then we go into this digital space and they're like, Oh, I'm just gonna put this like under construction page up right now. So how do you how many times when you're working with your clients do you actually have have to repair reputation management yeah, from so that like first impression.
1: They don't do crap. So a lot of times we don't google our own name and see what comes up or say we have a company name like just say I'm like I don't know Indiana chiropractic. So I should google Indiana chiropractic slash Indianapolis like Indiana chiropractic slash you know Joe Smith and and see what comes up. So a lot of people they're just busy and they don't take the time. So um we that's what kind of we do for people. Honestly, we're giving people their time back. Cause like right now you can set up like, say your local business, your Google listing, or you can go set up your LinkedIn profile, but just even setting up the LinkedIn profile from the way you're, um, headshot is cropped to the way that banner image you can have there is to your description to the links to all your stuff can really um, be involved and take a lot of time. So a lot of people are there doing so much stuff. It's nearly impossible to like drill everything into the ground. So we end up doing it and doing it right. And the reason we do it right is that's actually what we do. So we we are aware of those deep vertical details and everything, even setting up a Facebook business page. There's so much like to tweak and to do. And it kind of all matters because when you're like competing against people that are more established or you're competing against like a you know big boy, big girl company, like your stuff's being compared. And if your banner image is, is cropped wrong or like you don't have some key piece of like bio information on the left, you just kind of get voted out before you even knew.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I love this digital marketing side of things because I think that it's so important and something that entrepreneurs don't think of soon enough. However, one of my favorite parts of your bio is the work that you've done internally and i am in love with your web page that's not a surprise considering your what you do um but one of the favorite things that you say on your web page is we made the rules we can break them and i feel like people should live by that more often what was your path to actually embracing that mentality
1: yeah and that webpage is jeffvin.com vins like the venn diagrams v and victory ENN. and n so jeffvin.com you can see my stuff but um, yeah, it was really weird. So I'll try to keep it 30,000 foot view and then we can unpack. <laughs> I grew up in an extremely religious household of which I have no regrets, but I was just raised to believe a certain way in these long church services forever. And I, I ended up becoming a praise and worship leader in church. And I, I got really good at music and loved it and loved singing and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm um, in my early forties now and I, I didn't wake up and even consider another way to believe even within the sphere of Christianity right because you got Presbyterians, Catholics, Charismatics, whatever and so yeah I was like all in on this belief system kind of resisted it until high school and in an 11th grade I had this like conversion experience in church it happened to be in the music service which sounded like Coldplay and U2. it was pretty rad so I, I ran that bus from when I was like 17 years old at 35 and it served me very well and then um I had this, uh, got really sick uh, back when I was 35. No big deal, but I had a really bad infection. Ended up in the hospital like for 18 days. And for the first time in my life, just kind of like questioned like where I was gonna go when I was gonna die. And that led to other questions and I'm a researcher. And so all those years of belief and that whole structure and system I had set up, I was married at the time with four kids. Uh, just kind of unraveled like that sweater, you know, that sweater that's kind of knit together and you just grab one strand, you pull a little bit, you're like, holy crap, this thing's gonna fall apart. (laughs) And so like, it just fell apart so quick. And like, as a thinking person, I I just couldn't subscribe to what I believed anymore. I was like, this worldview like works if you stay in it, but if you just step slightly outside of it, or you even ask other Christians what they think about my flavor, Christianity, I'm sure most (laughs) of the audience would agree too with me. They'd be like, Oh God, you're, you're, you're out there. So that was kind of the (laughs) beginning of it. And, um, that led to a lot of like depression, uh, that led to like, well, I never want to take my life out. I just, life lost all its color and I was stuck. And then finally, got divorced that actually had been a healthy thing and got to explore like all these different things um that that i wanted to like okay so this religion doesn't work for me so what is religion why is there religion okay like i I tried atheism for a while which by the way is a belief right you can't prove god doesn't exist any more than you you can prove he can so kind of ran the gamut of all this religious stuff um my whole life and friend circle is built around this thing so honestly everything got deconstructed and um it wasn't a pleasurable experience, but my golden life isn't particularly to be happy, so I just suffered a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like suffering is, is necessary. Um, people, when you say it wasn't a pleasurable experience, um, so many people think of personal development and they're like, okay, this is going to feel good all the time. And I tell people, I said, personal development freaking sucks. Like, and it's amazing at the same time, but it hurts. Like, In order for you to have those conversations, you're basically like tearing apart who you think you are and examining every part of it. And it's uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I've looked at non-dualism a bit. And I'll just give you an example. I'm looking out like over, over the, you know, I'm one off the ocean here in Jacksonville Beach and the sky is perfectly blue, right? The, the only reason I even enjoy a blue sky is because the sky is not freaking blue all the time, right? The only reason that I enjoy a sunrise or a sunset is because it gets dark. So it's so funny in these dark nights of the solar, I just had a bad cold a week ago and, you know, it was just dragging my mood down and stuff like that. Like, I've tried to stop resisting stuff so hard, right? Because we never look at the same skies twice. We never step in the same river twice. And, and frankly, if you look at the math, we shed about 15,000 skin cells a night. I kind of wake up a slightly different person as gross as that is. So God, we get so attached to these pleasurable experiences, or I don't know, say whatever thing is self-improvement. We just want that immediate gratification and go after it. And it's kind of not how life is right without the nighttime, there would be no day without you know um hate and fear there would be no capacity to love because there'd be nothing to contrast it to so that's always fascinated me either it's easier to say this than actually live it but when i'm suffering really bad i'm kind of like dude it's a day it's an hour perhaps it's a a year of a pandemic that's just kicking my tail but guess what it's gonna change and it's gonna be okay you're alive you're thinking you can cope with this stuff you really can
0: Yeah, so your story of, you know, leaving religion and re examining what you're doing is unique to you, and at the same time, so common in people that we talk to that are like, you know, they grew up in a religion, whatever religion that is, and then at some point in time in their life, they re examine that. And it's really interesting to me to watch those people also be in this like nine to five that they hate and not able to re-examine that situation. So what do you think it is that happens that allows people to re-examine different areas of their life and and, um, still stay stuck in others?
1: So we we're talking about, you know, running towards pleasure and away from suffering. Honestly, it's the pain that creates the change. And you brought up a good point. We're kind of born into our religion, right? It's highly likely you're going to believe the religion of the country you're born in. And same with the education. And same with the schools. I'll give you an example, and this will speak to the people that are in the corporate world that hate it. So I graduated, a computer science degree, went to work for the municipality here in town. So water, wastewater, you know, electric. And um, it was a really good job. I was in my early 20s. It had a pension, right? So that's the deal where if I worked there, you know, from age 23 to 53, I'd retire with 80% of my salary for life. Like every other week that paycheck would just hit. So it was kind of like, to some degree, my parents dream, meaning everybody thought it was a good thing because it was, and definitely my grandparents dream, but man, we just buy that stuff. And what happened to me was, you know, six years in there's, there's 2000 people at this municipality, right? We're running power lines and all the sewer and water in Jacksonville. And then there's a 200 person IT department and I, I did really well there and I rose up to the leadership team, but I remember about five or six years in, you know, I'm sitting in this bureaucratic old, it's owned by the city, right? So this old city building, which was cool, but old, classic bureaucratic, about a third of the people just are like four years away from retirement, not doing anything. And I remember there was like maybe eight or 10 of us. And I looked across the way and this guy I really respected, who was quite my senior, who was maybe five years from retirement. He barely made any more money than me. Um, I had to drive in from the beach to downtown every day, park in this, parking garage, walk across the street, go through security, go up 13 floors in a freaking elevator. And then as you know in corporate, people like get maybe five, six hours of productivity. You have to stay there all day, especially if you're in leadership. So when springtime came, you know, I was itching to get a surf session in when the waves are good in spring. And sure enough, I just have to leave the lovely beach, plot in 45 or 50 minutes. Then I'm sitting there in this boardroom one day and I'm like, all right, man, I gotta be here for 20 more years. And this guy (laughs) barely makes any money more money than me. And like a third of the people just need to be straight fired, but they never will be because of unions. And I was just like, I can do it better. So that was my impetus that wanting control over my time. And at the time websites were just coming up. And so I was like, man, you know what? I'm gonna do some websites on the side. That's kind of when you build them in Dreamweaver and all from scratch. And you know, went out of my, my, my own with a little gold of 15 hours a week side hustle. And that's really how it started. Of course, at that point, I didn't know if I was going to do that full time or not, but I obviously did.
0: That's awesome. And I think that what you said is so powerful that it's the pain that makes the change. So we experience pain in different areas of our life and it changes that area. And then we still stay kind of in this limited mindset in the other areas because we haven't experienced that pain yet.
1: Yeah. And ultimately, um, and and this will speak to people that, because we talked about getting trapped in religion or trapped in a job you hate, or perhaps a, a marriage or relationship. How many of us are attached that they had to a sibling or some parents or some in-law situation is absolutely toxic, right? And so Tony Robbins, he says like, love your family, choose, choose your friends. But in a lot of areas of life, I'd say like work, maybe relationships, um, and then our physical health and fitness, our mindset, man, those three can get so out of whack and out of balance and it's, it's really painful.
0: Yeah, for sure. So switching the conversation just a little bit to the success element part of this podcast, I always like to start it off with um, a (laughs) question that has no right answer. So I'm sorry in advance for that. Um, Do you think the skills that create an entrepreneur or skills that you are born with or that you are able to learn?
1: Oh, it doesn't matter at all. You just got to be able to like love something and finish it. Like how many projects in life, including deep cleaning our garage this week, have we not finished? And we're all capable of cleaning the damn garage. So <laughs> yeah, some people have an easier run than others. Like I'm obviously good at presenting in sales, but dude, if I wasn't, I would hire someone that was, so man, eh, you can do it. Doesn't matter.
0: I love it. So, I want to ask you because I think it's really interesting with your sports background as well as your musician background. There's so many people that say, "Oh, I was born to be a musician. I was born to be a sport." And what's your what's your take on that? Were you born to do certain things or Yeah, we're all
1: born to do certain things, right? So like, I'm like not good at the CPA kind of stuff. Like, I can grind through a spreadsheet as good as anyone, right? Computer science details, but I suck, man. I suck at invoicing. I would feel guilty like when i'd land a big job i'd like want to get a lot of work done before i build them and i had customers once build me with the biggest job we ever had this is probably like seven years ago and, and it was a huge job uh and he was like dude are you quitting and i'm like why and he's like you haven't sent us a bill and it's just <laughs> stupid jeff being stupid about money so i think we all have our strong points right so there could be an entrepreneur who's real book smart who knows how to invest in a business based on like balance sheets and stuff like that and then there could be someone. And, and, and a lot more people are on this side where you have just some creative flair or some passion, man. Maybe you're a brilliant musician. You really love to teach it. So all of a sudden you made, you know, a, a living out of teaching, you know, music lessons. So I honestly really do think always work. I do think some people don't like that stress. And I will say this, if if you don't like you know the stress of like having to kind of carve your own path or think for yourself yeah you're going to be working on my team and with us instead of doing it yourself but i think a lot of those people aren't listening to the podcast i think if you <laughs> if you're a little on the fence with that feeling you're like oh yeah i am scared yeah you should be scared but like if you got a little tingling inside you probably have enough risk tolerance in you to do it because here's what's risky amber like my brothers in laws, they work, they're regional salespeople for like Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Well, guess what? When corporate changes or gets bought out, like their job is so insecure. Like yeah. it's just like, boom, hit the streets. So, like, I don't know. I think the whole risk tolerance thing, yeah, there's, there's a lot of risk in entrepreneurship, but you're just like one boss's decision away from getting two weeks severance and going on unemployment in COVID. So sorry. Yeah. I personally have 120 customers right now and they're not all going to quit next month. During COVID, maybe 30 quit, but like, dude, if you got one job and one boss, watch out.
0: Yeah. And I'm really glad you said that because one of the biggest things that people say when when someone says, why don't you open your own business? The biggest thing someone says was, well, I'm in a secure spot right now. And they think that they're (laughs) secure because money gets deposited into their account automatically every two weeks. And that mentality is the biggest false sense of security that exists on the planet.
1: And worse than that, they are secure if they've been there seven years, but all it takes is the business owner selling the company Or a different boss that comes in that personally doesn't like you or radically changes the culture. So even those people that do have a track record of security, it's really not as secure as you think. Like COVID fortunately didn't cut any heads off our team, but if it came down to it, we're going to have to like lay people off with a severance and we would never want to do that. So you'd be like, oh, Create Studios is chill. Our team and all of a sudden it's not chill, you're out. So yeah, there is not, it's perceived security.
0: Yes, absolutely. And COVID, that's one thing that I will say that COVID has been great for is helping people understand that their secure position was not as secure as they thought it was and allowing them to think about what they actually want to be doing with their life, like breaking them out of that daily grind of this is the only choice that I have because now that's gone.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, when I was at my lowest point in my life, uh, who's the the, the Greek God that, that rolled the rock up the hill every day and then it fell back down and rolled up. Like oh God, I don't know. I
0: know the story. I just don't know the name. Yeah,
1: so man, that's the one we get into a lot. We could get into that with the eating thing like our eating habits or like not working out or whatever our things are. But man, that rolling the rock up the hill every day. And when you're asked like, why do you like look and change stuff? Yeah, at some point we should inventory those areas of our life because that's what we do. We just wake up pick out the same
0: rock. (laughs) I love the I love the music edition. Like I'll never be able to watch any rock roll down a hill without hearing your sound effects now.
1: I love (laughs) it. I told you I was a talented musician. That was
0: awesome. So this podcast is about defining your own idea of success and all the things that come along with that. So I have to ask every one of my guests, what does success mean to you? How do you define it?
1: yeah so i have these like metrics that just came up over time i love to count but honestly we we all want to feel a certain way every day right so i don't care if you're running a t-shirt company teaching guitar music working in the municipality downtown i used to work at, but we all want to feel a certain way so you know i i look to wake up just kind of like like inspired and feeling like I have enough margin in my life and I'm hungering after enough things to where like, yeah, I want life. I want to consume life. I want to take life in. And I want to take that energy it gives me and produce. So uh, I'm after that feeling every day and success to me though, honestly, like just control over my time. Right. If I I really want control over my time and I've worked really hard to do that. And I have my, the, the agency runs with about eight hours of involvement a week. It's a little more than eight hours of stress a week, but, uh, yeah, that's what I got. I got control of my time.
0: I think that that's really powerful. And I think it's really interesting that of all the episodes that I've done on this podcast, I've done, gotten so many different answers and none of them is money. And it's so crazy because there's a point in our life where we think success is, and then it's related to money. And then at some point in time, we realized that it was never about the money. It was about whatever we thought the money was going to give us. Yeah. And that's our real definition of success.
1: And what is money really? It's time and energy, right? And what did I just describe? I want control of my time and energy. So yeah, we're really off our time and energy, the way we feel, like the capacity we have. So yeah, if we look at money in that way, it can kind of change our perspective on it.
0: Yeah, I agree. So on your website, again, for you that are listening, it'll be in the show notes, but it's jeffven.com with two F's and two N's. You have this amazing quote that says it's time to stop living by other people's scripts and expectations for your life and have your own awakening. And I love that. So for the person out there that's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And what the hell does it mean? Where do they start? What's the first thing that kind of gets you on that path to living by your own script
1: yeah so for sure that's a great question amber i mean the fact that you right now are listening to this and you have like those butterflies that pull inside that's a great sign and that's what you need to feed so i highly suggest you dive into something and don't stop and something could be i personally get com- coaching from commitaction.com. it's very affordable it's 100 dollars a month so i know amber offers amazing uh coaching and workshops so Team up with someone in some kind of program. I'd probably go beyond the book because a book you can start and not finish. Like I like Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. And if that's all you got time for is a book, yeah, get a book, get a Tony Robbins book, get a Simon Sinek book, Start With Why. But as soon as you get beyond that, link up with a counselor, a coach, a community um, of like-minded people So if you're in the arts and crafts space, find that. If you're in the, I don't know, whatever space you are and just stick with it. Because we are social creatures and you are surrounded right now by people that are working a nine to five job, by uh, spouses, significant others, relationships that probably doesn't don't not want you to change but they're not going to be excited about all this change right so you gotta just like that rocket that blasts out into space when does it need all the fuel to get out of freaking gravity once it's out of gravity it goes like seventeen thousand miles an hour until then it takes like a giant tank to get out so you need to hook up with people in real life on zoom get accountability get coaching get in a group and feed off that because at some point you will make a dollar You'll make a hundred dollars. You'll make a thousand dollars. You'll put in your two weeks notice. Your significant other will see that change inside of you. And they'll be like, oh, wow, this is kind of radical, but I kind of like the new you that's popping out. So let's do this thing.
0: I love it. Um, couple of things on that note, what checks and balances do you have in place in your life to make sure that you're not just, um, overdosing on personal development and failing to make any changes in your life?
1: it's oh it's so simple for me so as an entrepreneur i joke my my bosses are sales pipeline and then collecting the money out of profit so if i have sales coming in and i'm collecting on the money and there's turning a profit i'm fine i also have four kids i'm divorced i have a payroll and so my those are my two numbers like the sales and the cash flow and frankly at the time of this recording is december 2020 and we just had a shitty november so we've had like single digit profits all year during the pandemic and like, we took like a 17% loss. The numbers just came in for November. So your homeboy is paying extra fine attention right now. So I just look at it, it, it keeping my commitments to my kids, uh, to the team and, and to everybody. And like, if I can wake up and I don't feel like crap, right? My body and mind aren't falling apart. And like the money's flowing because frankly we do need the money to survive. Everything else is chill. That gives me a sandbox. Cause actually I go really hard, you know? I. I've been divorced. So, like, I like to have fun. I like to go to festivals. I like to go on nature events. I like to push the body. But all that stuff can come at a price, right? It all costs money. It costs time away from the core thing. So, yeah, my family, payroll, and the bank accounts, they tell me what's up. And then when I look in the mirror, man, if I wake up and I've slept eight hours and feel like crap, or I haven't slept a lot and feel like crap, you know, it's time to like reel it back in a lot.
0: I like it. So I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, which is inspiring this next question. He's the person that um, pushed me to open my own law office when I was stuck in that, but I can't do that. My job's secure phase, right? And he asked me, we're three years into this now. Do you regret your decision? And I was like, hell no. I think that I'm certifiably unemployable at this point. So my question to you is... When you think back to that decision that you made to start your own business or enter the entrepreneurial space, and there's all that, is this going to work energy? As you look back on that moment now, what do you think your life would have been like if you hadn't made that choice?
1: I would have like, okay, so I had the pension job. I had the ultimate job, right? So in about 12 years, I'd have a paycheck for life, right? So I would have just gotten more higher-paying corporate-level jobs um, to the best degree I could have, hopefully within that organization. I would have just optimized outside, like always. Like I did the church music thing on the side, and granted, I was paid to do it, but it wasn't much. So that's what I would have done. I would have just taken the creativity and applied it all outside of work, and to the degree I was at work and had control, I would have done it. So I make that sound like a simple answer, but I don't know there's kind of no like right or wrong way to do things, right? There's only the way you feel about it. And if you're dying at the stake or feeling a lot of pain and where you're at, yeah, you need to change. But you know, a lot of things, they're half dozen one way, six the other. So I want to be yeah. like, oh, it'd have been fine if I stayed. But yeah, I probably would have made it it would probably would have been less volatile. Like they're kind of yeah. volatile, but I don't know about you Volatility <laughs> creates opportunity, right? Well, yes. uh, if things never changed, it'd be boring. Could you imagine stuck at the same age or, you know, you know, stuck, like if you have kids that your kid was three years old forever, everybody's like, oh, they're growing up. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> get that three year old <laughs> out of here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and, even me, like, I, I don't want to go live 22 over again. You know, I don't want to be no. 11 years old forever. Like, like let's evolve. So that's kind of how I look at the past. It's like, it was cool. And like, if you did it really bad, well, then take your present and like, maybe treat people better or whatever lesson you learned is, but move on people like this, we're moving forward.
0: I love it. And I know these questions are hard to answer because it requires you to like, think about crap that doesn't exist. But what do you think you have in your life now that you wouldn't have had if you would have stayed in your corporate job?
1: Oh, God. I've met the coolest people. I love young people. So I love people that haven't like got locked down. Like I have a nut to maintain. Like I I could probably be a medical doctor. It interests me, but I just don't have the time or the resources to do that. Meaning it'd take a big shift, but man, I love uh, young people and young entrepreneurs, which is why I mentor them. And I've just met the coolest people. Uh, And I've learned so much about businesses because we do web design for like hospitals and medical offices and lawyers. And man, we have these guys that make freaking Plastic valves that go in your faucet, and he made them better than they did in China. And his company got bought out here in Ponte Vigia, Jacksonville, Florida. So I've been a part of a lot of cool business owner stories because a lot of times we'll work with the business owner or there is a marketing director. And then, two, I'm surrounded like our team is 24 to 36 years old right now. I'm surrounded by these incredible, intelligent millennials. I think uh, the youngest may be Gen Z and uh, it's rad. Uh, Those people keep me inspiring, keep me on my toes, you know, because like they're looking at me like, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know, better figure it out. Like We're (laughs) doing this thing. I
0: love it. And thank you for saying that. What's next? I don't know. I better figure it out. When I talk to people and they say, what do you wish that you would have known about being an entrepreneur before you started? My answer is always that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. So I love that you said like, what's next? I don't know. I guess I better figure that out.
1: Yeah, I know because you like build systems and stuff and you have success and then people get antsy or hungrier or they want to grow or leave and it causes you to like look at what you built because they're kind of like, dude, give us some leadership.
0: I love it. So what is on the horizon for you? What are you excited about that's coming up in the near future? What's going on with your business or your or your life that you're
1: looking forward to? Yeah. So the day to day of the agency, the digital marketing agency is going pretty good without me. I get to do a lot of leadership stuff, which is fun. So, um, I am into the co-work spaces. So the real estate here in Jacksonville is pretty expensive. We're in a pandemic. So instead of doing a co-work space in uh, 2021, the goal is to launch, uh, the mentoring I do is under this umbrella called converge. So think of the name converge, the brand converge. So I want to launch the converge house. So I want to rent an awesome Airbnb right here at the beach in Jacksonville beach, have six or eight entrepreneurs come from all over the U S and work for one month on like a wildly important goal for their business. So they'll have digital businesses or remote businesses. So they'll do their day-to-day and work, but then we'll carve out a sliver of time during these four weeks and go after one wildly important goal. And lastly, lots of water around here. So paddleboarding, surfing, yoga, a decent nightlife stuff. I'm just going to blow some entrepreneurs' lives, kind of give the experience to them that, you know, I wish I would have had in my late twenties, early twenties or whatever age they are and go for it.
0: There's so much I love about that. Like, first of all, I'm excited for you. Like, that sounds freaking fantastic. The most exciting thing about what you said, though, was like the outdoors and the nightlife and the daily work. And what that screams to me is a well-rounded life. Like, you go to these retreats and it's like, okay, let's talk about business. Let's do this. It's all structured. And then you come home and you come back to your real life. And what I love about what you just said is the idea of how to keep this real life experience while you're there. So you can take it back into your life and implement it instead of being like, okay, I was at this business retreat and now I'm back home.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, I I don't really like going on vacation or holidays because honestly, my day-to-day life feels pretty good. I was on the balcony this morning, like ocean breeze, good morning sun. I'm about to go mountain biking and 20 miles of trails. We're in Florida, so they're trail riding. But it's rad. Like if you can pick the right place to live or kind of say you live in a big city, dial in that area of the suburbs and like work's not killing you from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., you can have a pretty dang good life every day. And then I invest in like a killer sound system or like not that buying of sound system's an investment, but like, or a nice TV or like good gear to go enjoy the, the paddle boarding and the circuit and stuff like that. So yeah, people really architect their lives and think about it. And my, my goal is control over my time. You know, if I gotta have control of my time and architect these pieces in place and, and bring a whole team of people, you know, through it with me, you know, that's the win. And that's honestly what I'm doing. I'm just building pie for everybody. I'm like, I want to build pie like this. I eat some of it, share some of it. And we find a really good pie. I'm like, all right, let's make a pie factory. We do that one. But guess what? that pie gets old. That grass isn't as green anymore. So you know what? People are like, uh, oh, you're doing a grass is greener thing. I'm like, no, this grass is burned out. And I've done revived it three times. Like someone else can maintain this thing. I'm over that grass. Go after some new green grass. Get after it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what? I just got a bunch of iconic art. Have you ever heard of iconic?
1: No, I just know what an icon is. Okay.
0: So you should look up iconic art and I'm so uh-huh. sorry because you're going to fall in love and I'm going to like Spend all your money, but it's motivational art and um, uh, they're canvas pieces and they're amazing. And they have all these different uh, types of um, people that they work with, and they have a contract with um, Peanuts. And so I just bought this iconic art. I bought six pieces, and one of them that I bought is Snoopy and Charlie Brown from Peanuts, and he's looking around a fence and it says, I'm too worried about my grass to worry about whether yours is greener. And I love that idea. So when you say greener grass, it's like, it's not whether it's greener or not. It's like, what grass do I want to work on right now and screw everything else?
1: Yeah. And you better tell them how to spell iconic, because it's not like icon.
0: No, it is not. It's I-K-O-N-I-C-K. It's great. Yeah, it
1: looks really ra- I see the peanuts one right there. Keep looking up. That's the secret of life. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm there's some cool stuff peanuts. on there. So they,
0: they have all kinds of stuff that's amazing. But um, I thought about that when you said your grass is greener. So... I think that that's super freaking amazing, and I can't wait to hear how that all works out for you. If people want to follow up with you on this conversation, learn more about what you're doing, either from your mentoring or your digital agency, what is the best way for people to find you?
1: Yeah, just go to jeffvin.com, J-E-F-F, V is in victory, E-N-N, jeffvin.com, and it will lead to all the green grass and some grass withering, because November was a crap month in the business. We need to write that ship. (laughs)
0: Yes, I love it, and thank you so much for throwing that out there, so that everybody listening knows that when you have that loss of a month, it doesn't mean you suck at life. It means that you're normal. It's
1: so, <laughs> a pandemic. Yes. it's the fall, and it's weird. Everything's weird right now. But guess what? It is what it is. They don't that call it, it the
0: roller coaster of life for nothing, right? It's Ups, true. downs, everything. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up, um, I have a quick random round. I'm going to throw you on the spot for a minute. Are you okay with that? Always. Oh, all right, if you could have any profession other than what you're currently doing now, what would you like to attempt?
1: Uh, I don't know, I'd, do, I'd be a doctor or I'd run retreats, but I'm gonna do that in a couple 10 years anyway. So doctor. I love it,
0: doctor. And if you could time travel, where would you go and why?
1: Oh, freaking future. Like we kind of know enough about the past. So I don't know, just drop me any, any time in the future, just because I want to see the technology. Like we're on zoom right now and we're, we're traveling at the speed of light through airways and like, you know, kind of touching each other, even though you're in Cali or wherever I think it was Cali
0: Vegas, but close. It's like Cali mini
1: Vegas That <laughs> sounds like trouble.
0: <laughs> it, it is it, when it's open right now. There's not a lot <laughs> you can get in trouble with. Um, how far in the future do you want to go?
1: I mean, 100 years would be legit because like 200 years ago, like there was no train, uh, no air travel or anything like to get to China took like, you know, half a year. And now like I could be in China in probably like what, like 36 hours. So I'd say 100 years with the, the exponential hockey stick growth of the technology would just be fascinating.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, content when you're consuming that, are you a reader, audiobook listener, podcast listener? Yeah. What do you like?
1: Great question. So I've been done the Audible subscription where you get a credit a month. And I do about uh, thirty to thirty-five hours of Audible a month. And it's all nonfiction. I do this thing, you should check it out. The great courses on okay. Audible. So it's all these professors. It's like 30 lectures, 30 minutes of every topic from nutrition to science to philosophy. So the great courses available via Audible. Uh, that's kind of my go-to. So it's almost like listening to like a, a history channel documentary or some science documentary like in your head.
0: I love it. Do you have a book that you gift the most to new entrepreneurs or one that you recommend the Heck most? yeah!
1: So uh, Steven Pressfield, he wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance, which is a movie and in these other ones, um, Stephen Pressfield wrote this book called The War of Art. So not the art of war, that's that, that war strategy book by the Chinese philosopher, but the war of art is talking about overcoming that resistance because any creative endeavor, any weight loss, any business venture, any you know, overcoming a toxic relationship gets hit with such massive like, resistance. And so he talks about doing the work, right? Because if we, if we make those decisions, if we take those baby steps up, so it's almost like a little Bible and he wrote the legend of Bagger Vance and, and so the guy can like ride like a champ. So the war of art by Steven Pressfield
0: love it. And last but not least, and this is a purely selfish question because I am a music nerd. What's your pump up song? What do you put on when you just want to like have an amazing day?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, because I love technology, right. And computers and I love EDM. So EDM is electronic dance music. So I love like progressive, like uplifting, like some spiritual, like, like, progressive house music. So, I mean, think of a rave or, you know, it's not like the wah, wah, wah stuff, but it's just kind of ethereal and forward movement. So I can't give you a specific um, song, but my favorite um, progressive house artist, and he's more than this is Seven Lions. So That's Seven Lions awesome. creates some amazing, freaky music. And this music just sends me to a stratosphere. It feels like cosmic and space and it feels expansive. I don't know. It's, it doesn't have words a lot. That's i want awesome. to hear someone singing about their broken heart
0: dude like, <laughs> yeah
1: break, but like i'm not going to put that on and be inspired just keep that love song mess away from me
0: i love it i'm a huge country fan so when people say that oh, i'm like gosh. i love it but that's my jam um, why do you like it i grew up on it i love the beats yeah. i love but i prefer texas country to mainstream country so a little bit more bluegrassy a little bit more like outlaw country a little bit more like steel guitar-ish
1: than the mainstream nice. like pop so
0: yeah um have you been out to vegas for edc yet have you come and checked that out so
1: it's so rad so i got divorced a year and a half ago and i was like in the christian fold and stuff so i have in possession vip tickets to edc vegas i have two of them and it was going to be in may then it was going to be in october 2020 announced move so i'll be doing that and i also had a ticket to to the big Burning Man this year, like the big Burning mm-hmm. Man, and I donated it back. So I've been in a Burning Man. I've, I've been to the regional one in Miami called Love Burn that has 4,000 people and local ones in Florida. There's regional burns all over the world. So yeah, I love Burning Man. Haven't been to a true like uh, EDM electronic dance music festival yet, but I can't freaking wait.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be. I love it. I, it's not my scene. However, it's huge here. And people who go to EDC, like they say that it's fantastic. So you're going to have a good time.
1: Hopefully you can rent a room out because that's the hard part, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, good luck. You might want to get on that now. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really, really appreciate it. And one more time before we wrap up for everybody listening, where is the best place for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah, jeffvin.com. That's J-E-F-F, V is in victory, E-N-N.com, jeffvin.com.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All
1: right, talk soon.